welcome back to the Rail Lovers podcast. My name is Marley Silverbrand, and today on the podcast, I am joined by Ryan Dunnigan from the Old Man Orange podcast. Good to be here. Thanks for having me again, man. No, uh, no problem. Always good to have you on the podcast to talk about movies. And today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the next film in the Letterbox Top 250, and that film is Winter Sleep. But before we get into our review, Ryan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, pretty good myself. Just, um, just kind of a simple day. Just some handling some errands. But beyond that, not a whole lot happening. Just happy. Really looking forward to doing this show today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just kind of, uh, I finished watching Winter Sleep, and it's, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a doozy. Three hour long film. Three hour, fifteen minutes. Yeah, three hour and 15 minute movie, like at seven o'clock in the morning when I watched it. Probably not the best movie to start off. Like watching. Old man with a shiny glove. There's no robots. You like three hours and 15 minutes, man. There's boys. My manager there, that's got to be loved. Like it's hardcore cinephiles. Just come in looking like, you know what? I know. Oh my God, there's a podcast on this, my favorite movie. Like, oh, there's no fucking Marvel. Like, no Spider Man. Shit. There's no uh, ghost face mask. There's no ghost face stabbing people in the chest in the in this movie. Well, well, maybe that's the maybe that's the cut. That's the four hour long cut. I didn't get a chance to look at. It. I was looking at some of the trivia, and there was like over like apparently. I mean, you no, know, so anybody could put this stuff in the IMDb trivia, but there's twenty hours worth of footage and. The original cut was four hours and 30 minutes, and he apparently had to work really hard to shut it down to three hours and 15 minutes. So who knows what else he had planned. At the same time, though, I think it is being like, I mean, I think it would be superhero stuff to catch my attention. It was just more of like, I feel like usually if it is a three-hour movie, it's something like it's a war movie or a big sci-fi film or something like that. At least this day and age, back in the day, old epics that were really long or whatever right uh but i i don't know about you ryan but uh winter sleep was not the only movie that i watched this week uh so this is kind of like a my horrible segue to get into what what else have we been watching this week so ryan what else have you been watching uh well there hasn't been a whole lot of time between um this episode and the last episode we did which was on um samurai rebellion so i actually not have seen i have not had a chance to watch a whole lot uh, my wife and I um, binged the last bit of You season four, um, and yeah, yeah. So binged through that, and that was kind of is kind of what it is. <laughs> but I'll be hundred percent honest. I'll be hundred percent honest. It's not really like first season was a show that you said, I think you'll like it if you give it a chance. You say so, but I wonder. Oh, this is actually really good, and then. <laughs> Every season from there got campier and more, more soap opera-y and all this as it went on until it's just like they're looking at different like thrillers and different like things of its nature. Like, what can we pull from those? Just kind of throwing it in this and you get to the end like, OK, all right, whatever. I'd be lying if I said I saw it coming. But at the same time, like. Right. I, I haven't I haven't seen a single episode of that, but everyone's talking about that, like on my timeline like the the last season it's the last season right of of season four i mean it ends in such a way where i feel like there could be another one but more but also has a little bit of a tone vibe like well where do you go from here and this do, do you know you know the concept of the show uh i know a vague concept i don't know how much we can say about the show without it being spoilers it, it seems like it's one of those shows like if you mentioned like one little thing about it then like then people will be like oh spoiler 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 it's not entirely that it's more of like i mean his situation changes from season to season but it's always a little similar um first season which is the best one it's basically just the view of like creeper it's all narrated from his perspective and um just kind of see everything through his perspective and it tries to make you empathize with this guy who's very like not really a good person, but you know, he's like, he's also a lot of people around him are kind of shitty, so it almost makes him more terrible in that way. And every so often, there's a nice thing here and there, so you're kind of like sort of on the fence with them, even though deep down, you know, he's probably not the best person. And 
just kind of like you know he's basically just like um serial killer who's in who wants to find love and then things always spiral out of control and each one focuses on a different type of um first season it's kind of hips it focuses on like new york hipsters 20 20s early 30s second season kind of la douchebag kind of area third season like silicon valley um kind of um silicon valley like suburbia fourth season london that that's that's actually kind of interesting i actually especially that first season because really any show or like movie that takes place in like new york i'm always like a big fan of to see like how they kind of like represent it represent it well first season i mean i guess the whole series kind of is but it's kind of a dark dramatic romantic or not horror. well i mean i guess suspense thriller romantic slightly comedy because it's all in his head and he's kind of he is kind of like a little fool himself he's kind of rolling his eyes at things everyone says and a lot of the people he interacts with are very over the top in that way. Not so, like it gets more campier as the seasons go on. The first season is legitimately good, and then after that, we're just kind of watching it more to force a habit. And by season four, it's totally goofy as shit. Super like, oh my god, we watch like a CW, the show that happens to be rated R. But season, but you know, it is what it is. We're just like, ah, oh, it's it's a ton. Let's check it out. I I'll, I'll have to I'll have to check it out. It's a uh... I think you just kind of sold me on that show, so it might be another like show to binge. Um, I sold you on season one. Where we go from there, you'll let. Right, <laughs> but um, that's pretty much all you've been watching, right? That's yeah, you. and the new Mario Brother. I don't want to. I don't want to change the top. I'm the Mario Brothers trailer like five hundred times. We we could talk. We could talk about that actually, because that's technically that's te- it's technically a movie that's coming out like. Uh, I I I think that's kind of this is kind of the first time that we're talking about trailers and what we've been watching. So, Ryan, this is kind of like you're 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 popping my cherry right now, pop this cherry on what we've been watching. Uh, but yeah, that Mario trailer, that that Mario trailer, would it like that's that's insane. Like, well, I'm here's the thing. I'm looking forward to the movie. I really am. I honestly feel like I point A to point B and a lot of the things like, oh shit, they got this. I feel like probably more than likely already in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't say that. I haven't seen the movie. Maybe they're going to drop some bombshells. And it shouldn't just be like an Easter egg hunt or point out or Yoshi in this case. Or like point out like, oh, they got that. They got that power up. They got that character. It shouldn't be that. Mario is it's very easy to drop it in there and move on because how the game works in some way. Yeah, uh I think Nintendo is definitely learning a lot from Sega, like what they're doing with Sonic. And they're they're it's it's kind of like what it's you said a lot on Old Man Orange, like like Sega does what Nintendo like well then Nintendo is doing what Sega already did and stuff like that. So I I don't know. I think it looks perfectly fine. Like Illumination is really great. Is like the, I know you're not a big fan of like the Minions movies and Despicable Me, but like those movies have always shown like really a big te- technical promise like when it comes to digital animation. Uh and they're really I think they're really like all they're kind of showing their muscles on like what they what they can do there. Um I don't know. I'm I'm super excited about it. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Chris Pratt as Mario. Is it? Well, I'll be 100% honest. I'm going off the elimination thing. Not to stay on that too long. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the minions. Like, the first despicable me, I thought was, there's been another, like, um, illumination we saw here or there. It was like, oh, that was all right, you know. But I think with Mario, got people our age working on that movie. Shows give a shit right then it's being one or two people's vision like all right let's make this and you got a bunch of people working on it who really know the stuff 
and they're trying everything. I think that they also don't want to be the people who fucked up the Mario movie for the second time. No, no, wrong. I love the original Mario movie, unironically. I know it's flawed, but I genuinely love that movie for different reasons. But, however, I, I understand that they don't want to be viewed as the people who fucked it up again. So mm-hmm. I think I, they're going all in and making it look as good as it can. Now, Chris Pratt, though. Chris Pratt. Um, he's by zero means my first choice. But at the exact same time, um, kind of get why they did not go Charles Martinet. I know Charles Martinet can do more voices than Mario, but I mean, it's a meme. That get old after a while. Uh, mm-hmm. When I, when I um, think Mario, I almost imagine kind of like pre Charles Martinet back in the, even though the show wasn't that good, but Super Mario Super Show, or even the Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins, where he's like, he's a tough guy from Brooklyn, but he's kind of hot of gold. That's kind of what comes to mind when I hear Mario. Mm-hmm. Wow, Mario sound. Yeah, uh, I, I understand why Charles Martinet is not in it too, just because, like, it's it's also it's also it's like a marketing thing because people know who Chris Pratt is, and they're, they're like Nintendo's going to want as many people to go see this movie as possible. More people are going to want to go see a movie. Uh, unfortunately, more people are going to want to see like Chris Pratt as Mario as then. Because people know who Chris Pratt is. Not a lot of people know who Charles Martinet is other than people like you and me. So it's like, I, I understand like like who they're appealing to. And listening to Chris Pratt in this final trailer, I don't really think he's like all that bad. I think he's like just average. To be honest, it's like, it's not like, it's like, I know Twitter likes to make everything the worst thing possible, but it's... It, he's 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 gonna be fine he's not he's gonna say like three words well i noticed people have been saying like they're kind of like hiding his voice in this trailer I'm like no i don't think they're hiding his voice i think he's talking as much as any main character does throughout like any movie trailer that comes to mind to me at least like there's a lot happening so something about it is going back to the movie itself his he, you can tell he's kind of putting on like a little bit of Brooklyn accent, which is good. But, um, it's nothing amazing. But I mean, I don't, I, I'm not looking to be wowed by like a Mario voice. I'm looking to be taken back, to like, you know, like, I'm, yeah, I'll say, I'm looking to be taken back to my childhood and also see some of the more up in newer games too, which would be kind of cool. But like, something else I really appreciate is when I first heard they did this, they're doing this. Like, well, I don't know. I have no idea. Hopefully, it's not just like, silly movie in a Mario setting. They're actually, it's an action movie. It actually is an action adventure movie because that last trailer, the other ones had like a big sense of scale and shit in it, but this last trailer was doing, we love, they, they watched a bunch of Fury Road like mm-hmm. they to that editing that trailer. Like I was getting trailer, the music picking up, and Bowser going, let's get this. And then like, the cut, like shooting the shell, like, like in between the different, Parts and all that—they're all mm-hmm. like, and shit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I I think that they they totally nailed the tone of like other like action movies, and they're just kind of like paying homage to it. And it's I don't know. It's just Mario is already big, and I think this movie is going to be big too. But that's we're not going to be talking about Mario for the whole podcast. I just like figured we get our people can have our thoughts on it. Uh, but that's pretty much all you've been watching. Yeah, just uh, you, that trailer, and as far as about it, really. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really been watching much except for every single Scream movie. So, yeah, yeah. last week I I mentioned that I watched one, two, and three. And then this this week in anticipation for Scream 6 that's out this weekend, is uh basically watch four five and six and i ranked every single one of those and uh because i've never seen them before and uh yeah uh this franchise i i I wouldn't say it's like a complete home run like in my book like there's a lot of movies that i definitely like more than others but i was totally surprised but like by pretty much every single movie like like in this franchise and i genuinely had a good time and uh i i will be on uh the afternoon tunes podcast tonight at six six o'clock p.m 
Central Standard Time talking about Scream 6, but yeah, it's uh, the Scream franchise. If if you haven't if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. So, have you seen it, Ryan? Hmm? I've only seen the first one. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not the thing is I'm not big on slasher films, and there's certain slasher films I like, not really favorite genre. But I'd be willing to check out Scream. Uh, screams, you know the impact made on horror, the horror genre itself. I also think it's kind of um, I'll say it, it, it does feel kind of it's always kind of a feeling. I think when like there's a franchise kind of whether it be a show or a movie franchise that you've known about but you never really went and checked out and you go there and show oh my god i love this so you have all this it's kind of like seeing like you know for like after a while like you see everything like oh this other thing over here and you finally check it out like oh i've been sleeping on this this whole time but you know you're almost glad you get surprised by something you know yeah uh i totally agree with you about i mentioned this on my letterbox review for pretty much every single screen movie that i watched is is that uh i i like the way they kind of like blended horror and comedy together and the way that comedy kind of like builds onto the horror and makes it even more scarier because like for me like i i, I don't usually like horror and i don't usually like kind of run out to the theater to go see them but like when it's done well like uh i like like i'll obviously run out and go see it but like when like the movie is kind of like kind of like easing me in with like the comedy and i'm like getting comfortable with it and then all of a sudden here comes a jump scare i think that's a really effective scare that's like using jump scares like to it's uh i i know everyone hates jump scares but that's adding comedy to it that's where it kind of like uh that's where it benefits like the jump scare like i I hate jump scares too i think every horror film titled like two or three jump scares but when it's when it was that period where it's like just every pg-13 horror movie like from like even some r-rated ones from like um like late 2000s like 2016 it was jump scares like every other movie every movie was just constant jump scares you know what i mean just mm-hmm. kind of old after a while and i like horror i'm just not really big on slasher films so there are the slasher films i like and um i think sometimes the thing like you said the things that kind of would give give me to give more of a chance to horror was actually Shaun of the dead because that is that is a horror film and then you want to well, let me check out other let me actually check out what the real like the real thing, like Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Now let me go check out this over, you know, then Evil Dead's a kind of a Evil Dead Two is a horror is a horror comedy. And that guy, like, oh, let me check out this over here. You know, so kind of I thought horror comedy is always kind of a good way to get people in the door to check out horror itself. Yeah. And um I think what probably like this happens a lot more in the earlier films. Like the later films they get a little bit more serious. Uh, but uh, probably one of my favorite things like since you've seen the first scream, like you could probably agree to this. Uh, one of my favorite things just about Scream in general is like go Ghostface, like the main killer that's basically like going around like stabbing people. He's kind of clumsy, and the way he's like the way he like comes in like busts down like a door and just kind of like is just like looking at his victims and just kind of like it's always kind of like. It's always kind of like he he does it in such like a clumsy way, and he's like tripping and falling like over everything. People are like shoving bookcases, and he's just like falling back. And I I just think that kind of like aspect of like Ghostface Ghostface was uh was was always like like super like charming and like unique. It's like it's a it's it's almost kind of like Ghostface is just kind of like he's not like any he's not like Freddy he's not like uh uh Jason for um. Uh, Freddy or Jason, he he's just like a like a regular human being, just trying to like like kill these people, and he's he's and he's failing at doing so. I I think I just think having the having that clums, clumsy aspect was actually really a uh, cool part of like the Scream franchise. Yeah, and there's even that part like something I only only seen like twice, but this part that always stood out to me. There's a part in the um, first scream where, you know, um, I think she was already attacked by Ghostface and got away. And then it's going around the school and everyone's making fun of her and saying, oh, yeah, whatever. Your your mom killed herself or whatever, you know. And then 
Ghostface approaches her in the bathroom and attacks her in the school. But we don't really know for a solid fact that was one of the two Ghostface. She was a killer. Or if that was just some dickhead kid prank on her. We don't really entirely know. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. But that was something that kind of like, oh, that was interesting. Like, we don't really know if that wasn't an actual kill attempt or just some dickhead fucking with yeah, and, and like that's like that's another aspect that you just said right there that that Scream does is that it's it's horror, it's comedy, but it's also a detective film where the audience is trying to figure out who who the who the who Ghostface is and also the characters as well, and that's like that keeps people engaged, um, uh, keeps people engaged with the film. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I've been watching besides Winter Sleep, uh, the Scream franchise. Everyone should go check it out. Uh, you can check out all of those. You can check out all every single one of those movies on Paramount Plus. Uh, and then uh, Ryan's pick, uh, you, you can watch on Netflix. Am I? Yeah, Netflix. Yeah. But that's pretty much what we've been watching. Let's get into our featured review with Winter Sleep. Yani çocuk o olayı şey yaptığı için orada yanlış bir harekette bulunmuş. O yüzden Aydın Bey, şimdi siz bize biraz şey edebilirseniz, yani en azından şu tahliye davasını durdursalar. Aslında iyi öğrenim görmüş, dürüst, adil bir insansın. Ancak yeri geldiğinde bu erdemlerinle insanı boğan. That was a trailer from Winter Sleep, a film directed by Nuri Selan. I'm just gonna read like the the plot here from IMDb. Aiden, a former actor, owns a mountaintop hotel in Cappadocia, as well as several properties which he rents out to local tenants. He leads a more idyllic life than, than most people around him in the region. Educated and wealthy, he spends his time writing columns for a local newspaper and researching the history of Turkish theater, of which he hopes to write a book someday. Ryan. What did you think of Winter Sleep? <laughs> well, I'll be 100% honest. I liked it. I, I didn't love it. I liked it. We were talking about it's, it did not feel like a short movie, but it did not <laughs> feel like three hours and 15 minutes, to be honest. Now, granted, I didn't watch it all in one go. I watched it in two goes, so that probably helped. Um, be fair, though, even even though I, I liked it, there's no reason this would be three hours <laughs> minutes i feel like we could have got to the point a little quicker for what does happen in the movie now maybe i'm just like an un, um, uneducated swan or something like that maybe the main character i or Aiden um would look down on me and around this office for those who but um it's one of those things where i thought the thing the questions things was presenting were interesting and I guess kind of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? And I mean this in a very non-condescending um, way, but the lack of the um, anticlimacticness of it, I think of is actually kind of effective in some way because it makes it feel a little bit more realistic in some way, you know? I, I like that you said that because I think you hit the nail right on the head. And I mentioned this in my letterbox review is that I, th I think that, the three hour length is a three hour and 15 minutes sounds very intimidating, but the fact that it's three hours, it really just feels like it's like a really long conversation with like these individuals that are like on screen. And if you're like, if you listen to the dialogue and you read uh, and read the dialogue, obviously with English subtitles, uh, you kind of like the dialogue is so realistic you you kind of feel transported into like this room or with these characters and it just kind of feels like you're just like witnessing like this conversation with like these with with these characters like on screen and that that was like super powerful and like enthralling for me and it's it also is a little bit enraging too because i think aiden is kind of a dick to be honest Aiden or Aiden, just because it's just like he he, he kind of reminds me of a little bit like I know uh you saw Banshees of Inner Sharon. The uh I wanted to see Spencer saw it. Oh, okay. I thought you I thought you said you saw it. But um 
it, it kind of like this film kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, like a film like that, how it's kind of like super quiet and really about just like these characters like talking like back and forth and like basically like the and with themes of um like the uh different different cla- classes like rich and poor and and stuff like that yeah no i guess that's part of the thing with the because i mean it's here's the thing i say i say maybe to understand some things better or um appreciate it more i might need to watch it again but i'm not going to watch it again <laughs> three hours but at the same time it sounds like you're gonna like it. i did i actually liked it but it's just something to the effect of like when you bring up the story it's like a landlord and he's kind of a, to his tenants and focuses on the on the class struggle and the divide and all that mm-hmm. i'm thinking well, it's gonna. He's clearly the main character. Maybe we're gonna see him interacting with different tenants and get different specter, or like see the um how he approaches his tenants differently. The thing about that is he doesn't. He doesn't really. There's only really one family we see him interact with a few times. Um, the t- times he interacts with that family is very sparing, and and um everything else is just kind of hearsay. And beyond that, it's just kind of watching him for the most of the time, him interacting with his family and his mm-hmm. family calling him out on his shit. And there was even some things he was bringing up. Now, keep in mind, I'm by no means defending shitty tenants. I had <laughs> the world's worst of that tenants, not shitty tenants, shitty landlords. I had one of the world's worst, one of the world's shittiest landlords. There was articles on my landlord, not bullshit. Now, um, like so most he, landlords too, like like most landlords too, because all, all landlords are, are, are scum of the earth. So YouTube's gonna demonetize demonetize us, but or whatever. No, but like it's uh, I mean, no, literally, there's like two or three articles on my when I lived in San Francisco. There's two or three articles on my land. So total piece of shit. But so keep in mind, I'm not trying to. Bad landlords. At the same time, there were things he was saying within interpersonally of his family, not the way he treats his tenants, but interpersonally with his family. There are some things like I kind of see where he's coming from, but I also kind of see where they're. And there was a little bit of this kind of like balancing act of like, well, who's right, who's wrong. Um, I didn't find myself hating the main character because the thing is, he seemed like a guy who was like even tempered, calm. He wasn't like, you know, a guy with a bad hunch and a monocle, like, you know, boy, boy, what? You know, hitting him with a cane or some shit. He was an artist. He was an artist, was like, a... part-time or full-time, really. Yeah, like, he was a guy whose dream, he was, he's wealthy, but he, his dreams of being an artist did not pan out. Being an actor did not pan out. He was a writer. He was intellectual. But, like, he wasn't, like, if he talked to people, he may have been kind of like when he was getting irritated, he may have been kind of like kind of shorter and dismissive, but he would never like, you know, he's like, my kid's really sorry. My kid's really sorry. Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. it was like, we're going to pay back for the window. You know, there's no rush for the window. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to pay back for the window, but big, long rush for it. So mm-hmm. don't worry about it. You know, you know what I mean? So there are things kind of like, there are some things he does that are really dickish, but he's not like. He never came across as the worst guy, but he also never came across as the best guy either. Yeah, and I think what uh, one of the important things that I got from this film, too, is that it's... I, I know it's really popular on social media to, like, cancel people and, like, say people are, like, horrible human human beings for, like, doing certain things. But, like, what this film kind of illustrates, like, kind of perfectly is, like, walk a mile in someone's shoes to see like how they live like when he uh like like when like the the like the family with like the with the boy uh that like broke the window like he was like constantly like judging him judging the family like in the beginning of the film where uh, like oh uh like those like his tenants are like like destroying like um uh, destroying his place and like they live in like they live in like such a horrible like 
living situation. Like they live like all messy and they're, they're, they're like an eyesore. But the, uh, but once he started to get to know, know them, he realized like, oh, they're actually like decent human beings. Like when, like, uh, like towards the end of the film, like when he went over to, uh, like talk to them, he, uh, like they were like offering him tea and like just making sure he was as comfortable as possible. And, uh, it's, it's like one of those things that's like, if you walk a mile in someone's shoes, then you'll, then, then you start knowing their perspective instead of like consciously like judging them without actually seeing how they live the world. Yeah. And this kind of, this kind of, it's going to link back around to what you were just saying, but, uh, <laughs> it's also kind of like, um, once again, I'm not trying to like, you give me a side, like the tenant or the landlord, I'm always going to choose <laughs> at the same time, this majority design, same time, even though like this did have kind of like the main character is kind of like almost the main antagonist of the movie, but there's also one little other aspect. There's the father of the kid. Cause we keep referring to the family. Family has um family that's the there's a little kid. There's a grandma. There's two brothers, the younger brother and the older brother. The younger brother is the one keeping shit together. He's a, he's a religious man. He's very humble. He's very nice. He's just trying to make everything go as smooth as possible. And then the other brother is like, I'm not sure if like, he, he's like, I'm not sure if he's mentally off or if he just has rage issues or what. He definitely has a drinking problem, I think they say. And he, he's not working. Since he, got he, was he was in prison. He was in prison. Yeah. Yeah, he was in prison and uh, he's having trouble finding work. And but he goes out drinking with his boys. When we first see that guy, I we didn't know all that information. We knew that there was tension there. And then um, that guy is almost becomes kind of like it. Kind of brings then like I think the statement. Now we are jumping to the end here, but we we may go to more details as of why later, just to work more up to it. What that guy does near the end, it's like, that shit's unforgivable. That shit is just mm -hmm. flat out unforgivable for the whole situation. So sometimes you could be on the right side of things, but if you're not willing to, like, take the hand or to help out, like, or do, help be willing to push your pride aside, you're just fucking everyone else over. So, you know, like, that that guy, I was, I needed that guy so much <laughs> by that point in the movie. Like, I remind, well, like, you know, because at some point they're like, um, I guess one thing that uh, well, I've been I've been staring long enough. Well, no, I mean, it's it, I I I know exactly what scene you're referring to, and I think what that scene was trying to illustrate uh, was that, um, like the entire time, like the younger wife of like Aiden, um, uh, of Aiden Aiden, uh, we, we said his name different ways throughout this podcast multiple times but i think what what the what that scene was trying to illustrate was that her she was she was like oh let's give them money because that that's what they'll need to like be successful and happy but when it all comes down to it like even if someone is poor money isn't necessarily going to solve everything like yeah it was it's definitely going to help but the fact that this uh that like like this this woman thought like all of this money was gonna like help them, like yeah, it would have. But obviously, that they were they they were perfectly happy. Like because like when she when she walked through those doors, like they were the ones that greeted uh greeted them, and they like like they renovated like the like the apartment, and just kind of like they're they're living amongst their means within their means, and it's like just because it's kind of like like. I felt like her like charitable donation for them, but for the, for this family was kind of like, I don't know. It's I don't want to say GoFundMe, or just like those, uh, just like the celebrities that kind of feel like, hey, I I feel like doing good in the world, so I'm just gonna like, here here here's a hundred bucks, and I'm like, I don't think. Like yeah, thanks for the hundred bucks, but I got other issues like going on. That money isn't gonna like help with that. Help with the problem. I understand the throwing. I under I understand like what 
like that brother did was unforgivable, but I can see where he's coming from. Here's the thing with that. I was, I, if it was strictly just him, if it was strictly just him, and I would kind of like, all right, all right, he's just saying, I don't need your money. And what you just brought up, that's a good, but they showed that they're in squalor and they showed they've been having control paying the rent. They showed and they gave him enough money. They said, this is enough to buy a house. So with that, they could even go somewhere else if they wanted to, or at least get help, use that to live off of, to get by. And I'm not saying like we should rely on charity for all means, but the idea that, um, you know, the, the, the younger brother who was working and keeping everything together was like so happy. He was just so happy about that money. Like, oh my God, oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, oh I can't believe, you know. And then this fucking dipshit just staggers in. Like, oh, really? Oh, really? You know, and then like, that's money that could have helped the whole family. I mean, that wouldn't fix everything, but it would definitely help. Like the, the grandma was cold. They didn't have a TV. They didn't have a fridge. There was all these things they just didn't have that were taken because they couldn't pay the rent on time. And this was something that could have helped them out. And this guy independently, without talking to the rest of the family just was being like a prideful dickhead and chucks in the fire and then he, kid kid is looking through the wood through like the door the crack in the door sees it and has a look of shock like i can't believe my dad just fucking did that so i almost kind of it is like I don't, I don't know maybe maybe i'm i'm not starting shame the poor <laughs> at the same time i also feel like it's saying something like some people don't want be helped and some people be helped. I think it was something to say something to that effect. Yeah, uh I I I agree with that. And a lot of uh it, it's kinda like uh and not saying like these people are homeless, but it, you kind of get the same situation like in real life with like homeless people that like if you when they're when they're asking for money and I give them like a dollar and they're like Oh, I don't want that. It's kind of like one of those things, like not being grateful for like what, uh, for what's being given to them. And I'm totally with you. I felt like the what the what the guy did was was unforgivable because it wasn't like a collaborative. Like the family didn't like all agree. Like let's not accept like this offer. He was just like, no, I, I'm I'm going to do what's right. What I think is right for for. Uh, my family, and not like what everyone thinks is think thinks is right. And seeing as that guy didn't have a job and he was out drinking, I'm like, who the fuck are you to make? Oh, that's kind of my my thing with that character. And also, just like the idea of like the kid have this look in his face, like, damn, they fucking they took our fridge, they took our TV, they took my fucking Bakugan cards or whatever. You know, come the fuck mm -hmm. on, you know. I wore like a Bakugan shirt like two or three times I saw. So, mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it. I just saw like, oh, okay. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I just don't know anything about it, but. I don't know anything. I know it's a Pokemon ripoff. That's all I know about it. I just saw he was wearing it like two or three times. Like, oh, I wonder if there's like a brand deal with this, with its art. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, though, it was just one of those things like, well, we're spending a lot of time on this part because I think that is probably the part with the most conflict in the movie. Because mm -hmm. um, ultimately, it is just kind of a very like cinematography is beautiful. There, there's like there's a lot of beautiful cinematography, but there's one camera shot that really impressed me. And I'm sure if I looked long enough, I, there's are there the other ones that were, were fantastic. But there's the shot where we kind of like the camera, like after the kid throws a rock in the car and cracks the window, we're looking at like kid running off to the around the corner and then the assistant grabbing the kid and them back it zooms out we realize oh that was we were watching that through the crap mm -hmm. yeah uh there's that shot and then there's a shot like towards the beginning of uh like of the film where it's showing uh Aiden. It's showing a shot of Aiden's like back of the head and it's kind of like going zooming into the back of his head. And it's almost kind of like the film, like it's almost kind of like um Nuri was kind of like showing the audience like from from this point on, this is Aiden's kind of like perspective on how he sees the world. And really like 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 
like that's basically it's it's basically true that we are kind of like seeing like the like um Aiden is really like the main character kind of like going throughout this like uh going throughout this entire like film because you're seeing like his like who he how he kind of sees the world and how he kind of like sees like uh like the people around them and how he judges them like based on that yeah and going back to Aiden I think one of the other things because you you hear on paper you hear about this guy like well, I don't want to watch a movie about some rich asshole that's making the lives of the people miserable but then there's the small little things like I couldn't at the top moment I couldn't think of anything but there's like the moment like when the kid hits hits the car with the rope. then um they go and grab the kid the kid sits and fell in the water and Aiden's checking the kid, like are you are you are you hurt did you are you bruised up or anything? Like, all right, well, let's, let's get you home. You know, he, he's not like the the assistant, so fucker. But you know, Iden's kind of like, all right, don't tell man, don't just it's, it's just a window. We'll get him home and we'll, we'll tell him. You know, he's not a guy who's looking for conflict. And there's even that point of like, you know, he might seem cowardly, but then as the movie goes on, because there's a part where he's like, you talk to him, I'll wait back here. You know, and it some goes on like, oh no, it's not that he's. Maybe he's a little cowardly, but not that he's super cowardly. He knows this guy's a crazy asshole he with his bullshit. At that moment, we understand why the dad's like that. But as it goes on, like, oh, oh no, he's way more fucked. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I think that, like, with, with the kid like throwing the rock at, at at the window and breaking it, that's like the kid kind of lashing out, like saying like he hates like this saying he hates this guy and like how like villainizing Aiden even though I what I like about like what Aiden says like later in this film he is not necessarily like the bad guy like he 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 doesn't like he doesn't want like it's really like the like collections that are coming after like this 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 family for like not paying rent and stuff like that he Aiden is basically like the middleman where he's just owns this property and like the company that like he doesn't know what they're doing. Like I believe he actually says that like later in the film. Like I like he he has no ill will. He doesn't like he doesn't hate like these people at all. Like he doesn't know like what's going on. But like that's like the thing. Like I don't want to get into like a huge like tangent about like how landlords are just like like just terrible human beings and just like the whole concept of like housing in like a capitalist system is just inhumane but the fact that i didn't even know like what was going on like before like all this is is troubling that's that that's why that was kind of enraging for me like watching this film just like seeing like all like whenever i see like capitalism just presented horribly on screen and how i know this is and like it's just another example that capitalism is just like it doesn't uh, suit everyone uh i don't know it just enraged me <laughs> yeah and that, that was the thing right there because that's probably the number one thing that makes him i guess a little more don't antagonist or at least the antagonist of this movie because um like on a social personable personal level he's fine you know i mean he'd be kind of a dismissive dick to some people but he's not the worst person and he, he you know offers people he, you know you like even after the kid like you know threw a rock and fell over down like some rocks he wasn't yelling at the kid he's making sure the kid was okay mm-hmm. you know and even the family he's like you guys gotta pay for the window but it's not like not that you don't not a rush it's expensive it's not a rush we'll worry about it later but the thing is is the fact that he's so kind of like he, he separates himself. There is something he could do about it. He probably could even go to the debt collectors, like, just hold off them this week, or we don't need the money right away. But there, there's something, there, there's there's multiple things he could do. But he's just like, what, what, do you, what do you want me to do about it? Like, he's kind of like not taking responsibility for what they're doing. And it's like, he's like one of the only people in this town that's doing really good. Because he owns most of the property. So, or at least owns a lot of property. Maybe not most of it, but a lot of property. So it's just one of those things of kind of like, once again, I, I did not hate the main character, but I kind of understand why everyone else did. And I, I just think it's kind of an interesting, it's more than anything, just a very interesting character study on him. Now, I because I do think it's interesting when like his family starts calling him out, but it's 
the thing that makes that interesting to me is um once again maybe it's a three-hour movie so i don't know like every bit of dialogue so maybe some of the things escaped me and maybe there's a moment where i like a sentence or two got by me and reading the subtitles but in like a lot of personal aspects like he seems like he's kind of like at home he doesn't seem like he's entirely the bad guy he seems like there's just kind of like miscommunication like maybe he's a little like full of himself but like the sister you know what do you really do you do this you do that you you, you tax all these people like all right well what the fuck do you do you you sit on my couch all day and interrupt me while i write my fucking book what, what do you fucking do mm-hmm. i'm sorry when was the last time you had a job when was the last time you paid rent i never stopped having a job okay yeah, sure. I don't. I'm not into coal mines, but at least I'm working one way or the other. And then, like you know, there's there's initially. I'm not gonna lie. I thought that the wife was his daughter for a minute, and then the context in the conversation. Oh, oh, that's his wife. Oh, that's a big age difference. This shit's not gonna end well. Yeah, know? it's the age difference is what really caught me off guard. Just because I don't know. I'm just like it made. It made me. This is the reason why I didn't like Aiden all that much, just because it wasn't a. It wasn't a. It wasn't a good part of him. No, because like he basically there's two wives like in this film. From what I gathered, was there was this ex wife. Yeah, the other lady was a sister. I thought it was ex wife. I think Nekla was his sister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can cut that part out. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I might. I might be wrong. Uh. Yeah. Uh, hold on. We could we could cut this part out. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, I might be wrong. So we can we can. Uh, just on the live stream, people can watch us being being idiots together. Yeah, Nekla, a rec- recently divorced sister. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Oh wait. Ne- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Rewind, and then we'll we'll pick up where we where we left off. Um, so, um, yeah, um, basically, I I don't know, the way Aiden was, like, was, uh, treating, like, Nekla, like, uh, just kind of, the way he treated Nekla and, and, like, his wife were just, like, just, uh, I, I don't know, it was just, he was, he was just a dick. And, and just like the age, the age difference between him and his wife were just, it was just, it made me feel uncomfortable, to be honest. He seemed kind of like somebody who find the conversation, but the stuff you started talking about art and the philosophy and whatnot, that's where he's, that's where like, oh shit, he's going to go, he's going to go, he's going to go really, get really fucking pompous here. And that's what kind of happens. That usually leads to a big argument. And I, I don't want to make it seem like, he doesn't seem like that bad. I mean, there's more like scenes like he has with them. Like there are scenes they had earlier on, which are okay, but it just seemed more kind of like, how do I put it? So I don't want it to seem like some kind of Andrew Tate deal. Like he's fucking woman looking all feminine. He's doing all the work on it. No, I don't want it to look like that by any means. But I mean, there's a little bit of this thing of like, he's like, we don't really know entirely what they do. I think that the, the other, the, the wife, I think, that she just kind of Nicola just kind of hangs out at home, and then the wife uh, kind of goes and manages some of the other properties. But we don't really see that. So we don't get really much of a vibe of what's happening there. But she's all kind of atuistic, and she wants to make the world a better place. But she's with this curmudgeon old, like you know, pompous old man. And I, it doesn't really help his personality. I think because it just shows maybe he wanted someone who is easier to control or would not maybe challenge him. I'm now, I'm now putting that together at this moment. Maybe he wanted someone who, yeah, she's hot. She's not going to like, I'm fucking loaded. What she got to do? She, she, we got married, you know, because she was like late 20s, early 30s. So that means they probably got married when they, when she was in her mid to early 20s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just that it just was super it's uncomfortable. It's, it, it, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say like I like this film. I just thought it was, I think, enthralling and kind of, and is a perfect way to describe it. Just because, like, like I said, like this film is long, but like 
I kind of felt myself kind of like checking my phone like every every now and then. But every single like whenever every single time I was disengaged and I would like look up uh, to like read dialogue or li- like I I heard something that was going on, like I started getting like like invested like back into like this world and like um it it's it was very easy to kind of like jump back in like to kind of like go in and out well i think that the one-on-one conversations they would have were really well because Mm -hmm. even like through even though it's a language and you're reading it and there's always some little form of disconnect on like you know just like between because you can't always pick up on all the nuances of the performance in another language but i was still able to kind of get the majority of that and that is where i think the movie does really good and i honestly think this would be like i think i'd like the movie a lot more this is just like a two-hour movie now i'm sure the director would be like blasphemy you know and like no but like but at the same time like i just (laughs) The the director. I'm just thinking like if the director like heard you say that, you'll be like in the air like punch. He'd be like he'd be like you stupid Batman lover. They're like you don't understand the nuance of winter sleep. Yeah, I guess I don't. Well, I mean, it might be also more of like a cultural thing. It might be more. We'd be we're able to pick up on the you know um, the. Uh, thing about generational divide as well as um as well as like economic divide mm-hmm. there might be something that's inherently like you know like turkish about it that we just don't know enough about to pick up on for sure for sure I, oh, well I'm sorry no for sure like to add on like what you said about uh about the generational divide and like uh and just like uh like rich and rich and poor is it's funny just kind of like going back into my capitalism capitalism brand a little bit just because it, it's it's funny like everyone here in America is like talking about like how capitalism is like a horrible system and we think that's like like an America only like issue but in reality it it like it's a global issue capitalism doesn't work for everyone not just not just like Americans right that that's 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 like one thing that I kind of found like enlightening about uh, enlightened about it. I already knew it, but it was nice seeing like it presented in this way. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was glad to see that, and also just not the typical like through an American lens, just mm-hmm. a different you know way of presenting it. But it was still, you know, when you see it, it's all very like very show, not tell in that case, which was a fair moment to tell you, hey, those debt collectors came and took you know the tv or whatever but um yeah ultimately i mean i guess i'd say i like the movie that zero mm-hmm. desire to watch it again i think i got the gist of it but at the same time um i guess i feel like i've seen um in this movie's defense um because every so often you think about like three hours and 15 minutes in long it is but I've seen like just two hour movies that felt like more like I, I thought this was gonna when I, I thought this was gonna be really pretentious and I kind of wanted well I never seen this movie and I don't know if I've ever seen a Turkish movie so let me I, I, I'll hop on this episode with Marley so just fun to expand on that mm-hmm. so I'm not gonna lie I wasn't sure I wasn't sure if I was prepared for this and it was not nearly as bougie or pretentious as I thought it was because there as I thought it was going to be so there's like two hour movies feel like five hour movies that are way more bloated and way more pretentious and way more like pinky out than this. So. Yeah, I, I I agree. And like, I'll go back to like what I said. It's like, it's, it's three hours long, but every like piece of dialogue, every moment in this film felt necessary. Like, and I guess that's the thing where maybe like the, all the conversational, all the conversations... I was always hooked. I was always hooked. And I was always curious to see how the scene would end. I was just, I guess, in some ways, I was a little let down that some things picked up. But in other ways, I guess, like, glad it wasn't super out. Like, for a minute, I'm like, okay, so is he just going to start bringing a bunch of tenants into and let them stay in the hotel since they have the room? And 
or whatever, something to that effect. So like that'd be a little kind of like little little cheesy, maybe, or a little like unrealistic. No, no purple man's gonna come down from the sky and snap his fingers, and he's like, "Goodbye, yeah. capitalism." Yeah. Oh shit! It's just leading in. Yeah. But what were you gonna say? Sorry. <laughs> no, there's a didn't stay around for the post credit scene. That very well could have happened. You know? <laughs> Thanos will return. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm wondering if like just yeah. I'm just thinking about that. Like I didn't will return. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But in all in all seriousness, this this film was really well made, and and uh, little fun facts that I want to throw out there. Uh, it was adapted from a novella, uh, the wife called from Ant Anton Chekhov, and uh, it took uh, it took a uh, Ceylon, I believe, like three years to like write this entire screenplay, and he and he wrote it, he wrote it with his wife. And I thought that was a, I thought that was an interesting fact. This film also won the Palme d'Or. That's one of the higher awards at Cannes. And yeah, and it that it, it won that award in 2014. And uh, yeah, other than that, other than those are the little fun facts that I had for that. So and I, you know, I enjoyed it. Wasn't in love with it, but I wasn't expecting to be in love with it, so I enjoyed it. And I just thought it was an interesting character study on this guy who's not the best person, but he's also not the worst person. But it's also, you do seem kind of change a little bit. I and mean, by the end, he left that horse go that he really wanted badly. And he kind of was procrastinating on the book, and it implies that he's maybe going to fix things with his wife, possibly. Who knows? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I give it four stars on Letterboxd. How many star was, stars would you give this on? I would give it three and a half. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, but yeah, that was Winter Sleep. You can... Uh, how did you watch this? I, I rented it on Apple TV+. Plus. I did that too. Yeah. I was yeah. the only place I could find it. It's available via VOD on Apple TV+, Plus, anywhere where videos are on demand and stuff like that. But Brian, thank you for this conversation on Winter Sleep. Where could people find you online? So Oh, I do two other podcasts. I do Old Man Orange with my good friend Spencer Holmes. And I do Octorock Talk uh, with my good friend James Artville. Uh, Octorock Talk's a little bit of a hiatus, uh, but uh, Old Man Orange is kind of going on right now. We're in the middle of Mario March, where we're just covering obscure Mario stuff leading up to uh, the Mario movie in April. And uh, my Twitter handle is at Ryan. And my Instagram handle is at grit5. All the links will be posted in the description below. So go ahead and click those links and go check out what Ryan is doing. You can follow me at Marley Loves Film, as you can see on the video feed, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Huge shout out to anyone that's watching on the Marley Loves Film YouTube channel. We just hit 50 subs on YouTube. So shout out to everyone that's, that's subscribed and listening to the podcast that's really great you can also su subscribe to the real lovers podcast on youtube basically just kind of reposting this podcast on here you can also real lovers podcast also has instagram twitter just search it up it, it's on there all links will be in the description down below stay tuned here in a few minutes to figure out what we're going to be talking about next week on the letterbox top 250 series that we are doing Ryan, do you have anything else you want to say or plug or mention? Nothing popping to mind right now, but thank you for the opportunity. And be sure to join us next week here on the Real Lovers Podcast, where we're going to be discussing the 244th film on the Letterbox Top 250, Network. I've got to warn you, I, I don't do anything on my first date. We'll see. I want a show developed based on the activities of a terrorist group. Well, Ahmed, I want to make a TV star out of you. Just like Archie Bunker. We're the number one show in television! We're number one! We're number one! There is no America.
And if you want to join in on the conversation for our discussion of this Sydney Lumet masterpiece, be sure to follow the Real Livers podcast on YouTube so you can stay up to date on all live broadcasts. All links will be in the description of this episode. So for the Real Lovers podcast, I'm Marley Silverbrand. Yeah, I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And keep watching movies.